Thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. If you want more information on the things that we are doing, head to the Park Hills Church app or parkhillschurch.com. Right. Today we have pastoral resident Mark DeWall with us in the house. That is me. Or temp. Yes. Temp, which you're doing a great job, by the way. But Thank you. But you are a temp. So well, yes, yeah, he you're, needs, you're right. We all need to know our place. <laughs> so with that said, uh, this is the first time you've been on any of our podcasts. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. So this is the debut right here. So we are both preaching the same passage, uh, Mark 7, 1 through 23, which has no issues, super easy to work through, nothing major to dig into. That's not true at all. So one of the things with this passage that is really hard, I think, for us to understand is just defilement, uh, getting into food laws, what those things mean. So we are going to do our best to try to talk this topic through without putting any of you to sleep. (laughs) So if you are driving in a vehicle right now, uh, I need you to stay awake. Uh, maybe skip to a more entertaining podcast right now if you need to. If you're at home, you know, just get some warm milk, maybe some tea or coffee. and Just sit. Just listen. And if you drift off into la-la land, we're not going to hold it against you because food laws, nobody cares. They're kind of boring. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So with that said, we kind of have two big topics. I'll kick us off with the first one. I think the first thing that when I look at this passage and think about, I think about the idea of things being clean, food themselves. And so verse 19 is the big one for me. Jesus says, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. And if you go to the verse before that, he says, so I'll read the whole thing. Then you are also without understanding. Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. And here's the big quote that Mark throws in here that is a, is a statement that resounds throughout church history. Thus, he declared all foods clean. So <clears throat> we move to the Old Testament, and Mark, there's no shortage of laws that deal with foods being clean. Very and clean, Right? Yes. So you've had to read Old Testament now, you've we had to work through a bunch of Old Testament classes, mm-hmm. and you've spent super fun times in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. How many laws are there on food and food being clean? I have no idea. A lot more than there should be, <laughs> right? There's a ton. And I, when the first time I read through Leviticus and Deuteronomy, I, I've, I've made this statement in a sermon. I famously fell asleep, uh, right? I was reading in my dorm room, having to read through this for the first time. And I woke up and my Bible's open on my chest and I'm like, fine. And I opened it up again and started reading again. And for a lot of us, because we live in a culture now that's 2000 years removed from this, we don't really understand what the big deal is. And part of it, the reason why we don't understand it as a big deal is that the church has already settled a lot of these arguments in the first couple centuries. So if you are reading through this or you've ever read through the Old Testament and you've ever thought, I need to go to a pastor and ask why we do not follow these rules, right? I don't eat shellfish. I don't eat this. I don't eat that. Um, If you've ever wondered, why do we not follow this anymore? It's all been settled. And that verse right there that I just read is part of what settled the argument. But there's a much bigger issue going on. Uh, In the first century, especially, there is a huge divide 
right? You've got Jews who, no matter where they live, are choosing not to eat certain things, not to do certain things. And you've been to Israel, Mm -hmm. so you have also even seen that kosher is still practiced today. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. So even today, if you go to Israel, you can't get a burger with cheese on it. Uh, Bacon does not exist unless you go to the Christian quarter, right? Because even the Muslims do the same thing. They don't eat bacon. They don't eat pork. Mm-hmm. So in Israel, it's a, still a very big deal. Like you can't just mix these things up. And so at the time of Jesus, <clears throat> these things don't get mixed up. And and part of the way that the Jews had understood it is because those things shouldn't get mixed up in our own diet, we can't go mix up with people who are doing those types of things. Mm-hmm. And that's that leaves us in a really weird spot, doesn't it? Right. And what the the first century Jews are doing is building off of something that they were first given coming out of Egypt, slavery in Egypt. And God laid out these physically oriented laws to help them understand how to follow him. And if you're going to follow a holy God, you're going to do what he says, what he lays out. This is what you do. Right. And, and he'd set up um, kind of these four spaces as they traveled around in the wilderness and at the center of their worship was the tabernacle. Sure. Right. And this was the holy place, the holy of holies. And it was marked in this way. And this was Mm -hmm. set aside for God. It was for the extraordinary, for the things set apart from the rest of the people. Right. And outside of that is the camp, which includes your average everyday people. Right. The, The things that were normal, that were common but they were clean. This was what was considered clean. And, and when you were clean, you had some sort of access to the tabernacle sure. for, for worship. Mm-hmm. But if you were unclean, you'd taken part in eating some of these foods or had some sort of disease, um, you were unclean and you had to be outside of the camp. Right. That's, that's the third space. And it's marked as that. And then the, the final and, and fourth space is the wilderness which was sin. Right. If you're either a, a pagan nation or you're um, living in, in sin and unrepentant, you're, you're outside, you're in the wilderness. Right. And yeah. Yeah. So like the day of atonement, right. When they get done with the day of atonement, they take the scapegoat and they just, they get it as far away from them into the mm-hmm. wilderness as possible. And then a lot of times they would find a cliff and just lovingly let the goat walk <laughs> off the cliff. Uh, as a couple of pastors have pointed out over the years, cause you don't want that goat, with all of its sin, walking back right. into the camp. That's a bad place to be. So I like that description. So if you think about it, let's, you know, it's hard to kind of paint these visual pictures on a podcast. So for people who are listening, if you're trying to visualize it, imagine a camp that starts in the center with a tent that is surrounded by another tent. And that main tent is the tabernacle. And outside of that is the, basically it's more of a curtain than a tent. It's basically a fence that sets up the outer court and the inner court uh, that, and those all, that all surrounds the tabernacle. And you can imagine the presence of God is there, right? So there's this flaming cloud, mm-hmm. smoky cloud, depending on whether it's day or night. And you know, the presence of the Lord is with you. And then all the 12 tribes would be set up in sets of three to all of the four directional points, right? So you have mm-hmm. three tribes that camp to the north of the tabernacle, three that camp to the east of the tabernacle, the south, and then the west. So all of these people are surrounding this place. And and like you just said, if you're unclean, there is the possibility that God will not enter the tabernacle Mm -hmm. because you have not followed the rules that he's asked you to follow 
And so in order for the presence of God to be there, you want to learn what it takes to be clean and you want to do it. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to not be clean, then you get moved outside the camp and or all the way out to the wilderness. Right. Yeah. So if you think about that process, that understanding, and then you extrapolate it all the way to the first century, uh, that's what the Jews are still thinking. And, and even today, there's a little bit of a, a weirdness with Gentiles being in Jewish places, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I had a friend right. that was at one of the food markets in Jerusalem, and he slapped a piece of cheese on a cheeseburger, and the rabbis yelled and screamed at him until he left. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, they're, you're breaking kosher. You're making us unclean. And this is really the argument that's going on in, in Mark chapter 7, right? There's this question in the beginning of it of, why is it that your disciples don't wash their hands because everybody's supposed to wash their hands. And their process is, if you don't wash your hands, if your hands are not clean and you eat something, the thing that you've eaten now has the defilement from your hands on it. So even though you're mm-hmm. eating something that's clean, it's going into your body and it'll make your body unclean. You need to be moved outside the camp. Mm-hmm. And what Jesus wants to do is he wants to push back on that. And not just because of... I think some people could read this passage and say, oh, Jesus doesn't care about cleanliness. That's not what he's arguing. That's not the point. Uh, the The point is you're, you need to be in the presence of God, which I find interesting. Uh, and it's one of the things that you and I wanted to talk about is that we're talking about the tabernacle and the temple, the presence of God being there, people needing to be clean to be able to access him, access the temple or the tabernacle. And uh, the whole point was you needed to be able to approach God. Right to see him face to face. Mm-hmm. That was the idea. And now God is standing right in front of them, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And his disciples are not doing something that the Pharisees think needs to be happening. And they have the audacity to say to God, you're making, your disciples are unclean. They're being defiled because of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's a little messed up. Right. So I think when I think about this, I go, okay, the disciples are, have grown up in a culture that cares deeply about cleanliness, which is important. Mm-hmm. But their understanding of cleanliness is more about not just being clean uh, because Jesus isn't saying, I don't want you to wash your hands when you eat. That's not the point. Because even today, if you, if you read this passage, like the kids might read this passage and be like, I'm not washing my hands ever again. That's not <laughs> what Jesus is saying. What he's saying is you have these traditions and these cultures built up because you're trying to avoid defilement. The fact is where defilement comes from, it comes from within us. It, it is something that... that that pops out from inside. And because defilement comes from inside, it doesn't matter if your hands are washed or not. You're not necessarily bringing defilement into your body that way. What happens is the defilement is what, what comes from the outside. Uh, or, or, <laughs> the defilement is what comes from the inside that affects what's going on on the outside. So even back to the, some of those camp things that you talked about, uh, a bodily function of any kind, whether mm-hmm. it be, you know, number one or number two or some kind of disease that's going on. And it, people are like, what are you talking? You know what I'm talking, exactly mm-hmm. what I'm talking about here. <laughs> Those things are unclean things leaving our body. Right. And when we come in contact with those things, that makes us unclean. And what Jesus's point is, is that same illustration works. What, what's, what's inside of us is what makes us gross, mm-hmm. not what you put into us. And so that leads us then to Isaiah. Yeah. Yeah. So Jesus knows his scripture so well that he is pulling uh, in verses 6 and 7 of of Mark 7 from Isaiah. And it's good for us to read through the actual Isaiah quote that Mm -hmm. that he's doing, plus a little broader in Isaiah. So Isaiah 29, verse 13, is where 
This comes from verses 13 and 14. And Isaiah writes, And the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men, therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things with this people, with wonder upon wonder, and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus is pulling something from Isaiah, which Isaiah is writing this to a different context, different situation. Totally. But it, it fits perfectly with what Jesus is talking about, where the Pharisees have, have started to draw these things out, hoping to make themselves right with God. But instead, what they've been doing is, like Isaiah and Jesus are saying, honoring with their mouth or their lips, but their heart isn't in the right spot. Totally. Yeah. And the interesting thing in Isaiah is God saying, I'm going to keep doing wonderful things with this people. You're not going to see it. Your hearts aren't aren't tracking with where I'm going. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing this in Mark. They're not seeing who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. Definitely the most wonderful thing to happen this far, Jesus coming in the flesh, and they're missing it. Yeah, totally. And if you think about that idea of you are making good-sounding things come out of you, but the reality is what's really inside of you is disgusting and gross, Mm -hmm. which goes back to this whole idea that, that the Pharisees, what they're doing is trying to build a system that makes everybody look clean, when in reality, they're not clean at all. And so like what we talked about in the sermon, you know, you, you get down to the point where you would say to your mother and father, uh, the Bible says, honor your father and mother. And yet when your father or mother needs something in their old age, you say, well, I've set aside this money for the Lord mm-hmm. and I can't give it to you at this point. And what Jesus is saying is if that's the tack that you're taking with your life, if you're choosing to do these things, you've completely missed the point altogether. If you're more concerned about washing hands versus eating food, then mm-hmm. you've, you've missed the whole point. And the fact is what's happening outside of you doesn't necessarily defile you. What defiles you is what's really going on on the inside. So he's really saying you shouldn't be afraid of the Gentiles and you shouldn't be afraid of going into Gentile territory, mm-hmm. which he's already set that tone over the last couple of chapters. And he's going to set that tone even more in the chapters to come. And really back to the Isaiah idea, what Isaiah is saying is that there's one coming who's going to try to draw the nations back and fix the thing once for all, which brings us back to the food laws. Why did they exist in the first place? If, if we're talking about cleanliness or being clean, why would God do this? Well, one of the main reasons why God was setting up the food laws the way he was, was Israel is supposed to be different mm-hmm. than all the other nations around them. So the fact that all the other nations have certain rules and regulations and things that they do, they eat whatever they want, they, they, they manage things however they want. Part of what God is saying is, I don't want you to be like them. And there's also some of it is some of the practices that go along with eating those types of meats and those types of things are really disgusting practices, which ultimately do defile you because mm-hmm. you're you're bringing in worship of other beings, other gods, other things. And if you're practicing all of that, you're you're actually joining in with worship of something else rather than the one true God, which that is what defiles you, which raises up inside of right. you issues that those issues then come to fruition and, and you're in a terrible, terrible place. So what Jesus is saying is the, what the law exists for, why it exists, why the law, the food laws exist in the beginning of the, the Bible, all the way back in the Old Testament is you're moving out of Egypt where mm-hmm. everybody did whatever they wanted to do. You need to be different than Egypt. 
You need to be different than the Canaanites. You need to be different than the other lands around you. So here's what I want you to do. You're going to be so different from them. This is how you're going to live. This Mm -hmm. is how you're going to be. And on top of that, some of the things that God says no to, like vultures or pigs, they eat whatever they want to eat. And Mm -hmm. so you're actually eating dead stuff. So you're mixing life and death, and that's not the way it's supposed to go. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you... If you eat the the animals that, you know, have a split hoof and have chew the cud, then they're a certain type of meat. It's less scary. It's not as bad for you. And it sets you apart from everywhere else around you. Right. Which is really the goal. But once you're set apart from everyone else around you, why wouldn't you take what you know and go share it with them? Mm-hmm. And that's not what they're doing. Yeah. And, and the point for Israel was never to be this nationalist, just us. Right. We're, we're Israel. You're not a part of us. The the point and part of the promise that God gave all the way back to Abram was, I'm going to bless the nations through you. Right. And, and that was the whole point. Um, and there's another side to the law, too, that's pointing, just pointing to sin and right. what the problem is. And, and there's a distinction to keep because unclean doesn't necessarily mean sin. Absolutely. When you go to the bathroom, when you have to touch a dead body to move them out of the camp, you're not necessarily sinning. No. It, there's a difference. But... What Jesus is doing here in Mark is he's he's going right to the heart, yep. right right to the to the the sinful heart, and mm-hmm. then part of that is what he's listing there at the very end of the the passage we're looking at. These things that he lists the the evil that comes from inside of a person is mm-hmm. what is really defiling the person. Yeah, yeah, and so if you go back to that verse nineteen and kind of wrap this this whole thing up, and then we'll set it set that part aside and then move into the, you know, what Christ is doing. What he's saying is all foods become clean because they're not really what's defiling you. Mm -hmm. What's defiling you is the potential practices and everything else that goes around alongside of it, which leads us really to the point of what Jesus is pushing toward. And this is really the argument of the first century, which like I said in the beginning of the podcast has already been settled by the church. This is why we don't do a lot of these things. Mm -hmm. Also, the reason why we don't do a lot of these things is because we're mostly Gentile believers that worship in local churches. Uh, it's not to say that there are not Messianic Jews all over the place. I'm just saying the vast majority of the churches I've worked at have very little, if any, Jewish influence whatsoever. Right. So if you give me a second, I'll kind of just like spell this out. So imagine the first century, you're a Jew. You don't eat with these people. You don't talk to these people. You don't do these, you don't do any of the things with the people that you live around. And Jesus says something like, all things are actually clean. You've got to now grapple with what do I know and what's what's true and what's not true. And you've also got to grapple with some of the other parts of the New Testament that say Jesus didn't come to remove the law, but to fulfill it, mm-hmm. right? He didn't come to abolish it. He came to fulfill it. And you go, so what does it even mean? The idea is that you were supposed to be set apart so that the nations would be blessed. Right. I'm here now, and I'm about to bless the nations. Mm-hmm. And it's through you, by the way, Abram. You know, Abram, I, I because I'm a child of Abraham, Jesus— uh, I am now going to free the entire world from all sin, all lawlessness, all defilement. And because of that, now Jews and, and Gentiles can live in harmony with one another. That doesn't mean that Jews don't practice certain food habits still, and it doesn't mean that Gentiles don't practice certain food habits still. It means we can live in the same spot and eat together and not make each other un, you know, defiled right. or unclean. There's no reason for you to leave the camp because you've been covered once and for all which is really the point that's being made in the early church got this right for the first century or so, mm-hmm. and then started to separate. You know, I, I don't know if the listeners know this, but one of the reasons why we eat ham for Easter 
ironically, is so that the Jews wouldn't eat with the Gentiles. So it became a tradition in the Christian church to serve ham at Easter, kind of to push away the brothers and sisters who are Jewish. Mm-hmm. That's so messed up, right? It's, <laughs> it's super messed up. It's, it's so broken that our traditions started to become like, well, we're just Gentiles, so we're just going to do Gentile things. What if we totally changed the, the pattern back and we said, no, everybody who follows Jesus, whether you're Jew or Gentile, mm-hmm. should be able to be in the same space and we don't defile each other. We're, we're all in because we've been covered in the blood of Jesus. He's washed, washed us clean once and for all. We're, we're wiped clean by him. Because of that, nothing defiles us. At the same time, we shouldn't practice things that are gross, right? You know, so you're not you're not going to go out there and be like, "Well, he said nothing defiles me, so I'm going to rub my hands and cow manure and then go eat food without <laughs> washing them." That's not the whole. Like what Jesus is saying is, there's still practices that cleanliness makes sense and keep us from getting sick. At the same time, you're not having to remove yourself from the camp anymore. And so the whole first century, this is the church. This is what they did. They they moved from this space of, we once did this, now we do this, now we can get along completely, and we're setting a whole new tone for what the world's supposed to be like. And you and I now live in a world where that's just the norm. Right. We don't have any of these issues anymore. And people go, well, why don't we practice these things anymore? Because we've already been freed from it. Jesus states mm-hmm. these things in Mark and elsewhere. And the real question is, what's going on inside your heart? And, and the one other detail with that is as these, this shift happens with Jesus, the Israelites who had been given these physical laws to learn how to follow God well, these things are now changing because Jesus is bringing the Holy Spirit, right? And, and once the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples in the book of Acts mm-hmm. and then throughout the whole early church, they're living in a new way. And a lot of this is what Paul is talking about in his letters. Totally. It, follow the Spirit. And yep. this is this is what we're doing. This is what you're following. The law is on your hearts. Totally. Yeah. And in the near future, we're going to go through the book of Matthew, which has a slightly different take on this. We're, we'll get into that. But then we'll also work through Galatians soon. And then, you know, those who remember Ephesians and Colossians, there's little hints that this is mm-hmm. going on in the early church. Uh, then you add into it the Corinthian argument or the Romans 14 argument about food. You can start to see this argument playing out in the church and even what Paul pushes back on on Peter for in Galatians 2 is, you were eating with everybody a couple of days ago, and now that some of the members of the circumcision party, which I, when, I don't even, right? <laughs> like, it sounds like the worst branch of the church, right? Like I go to the first free of, you know, first free of the, uh, the circumcision party. Like, this is a terrible, <laughs> terrible thing. Uh, these people show up and they, all of a sudden now, Peter, you're reverting to just eating with them because you don't want to eat with the Gentiles because right. you've misunderstood what this means. And Paul's pushing back going, no, 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 you don't understand defilement, what, what, it, what it really is all about. So I don't know that we've cleared any of it up for folks, but we've given you a little bit of context. This is a multiple hour conversation that we can't really pare it into this, but it's a good start to at least get us there. So just think about it. The idea that Jesus is saying, you're not defiled by what comes from the outside. You're defiled by what comes from the inside. Your heart needs to be clean. Only Jesus can do that. Be free. Mm-hmm.